Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, if you missed the last segment, we were talking about communication forensics, uh, which is a, an interesting thing uh, to look at in terms of. What, what do these words really mean? How are we applying them? Are we getting to common definitions, especially when we get to political speech? Uh, and often as that political speech and the rhetoric heats up and ratchets up, uh, that's where things get into the very tricky territory. Uh, over the weekend, President Biden made some comments that definitely ratcheted things up based on the words that he chose to use. Uh, These were words regarding the ongoing war in Ukraine. He stated we're closer to the threat of a nuclear conflict or an Armageddon moment uh, than we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. Uh, The environment of fear, of course, is very high. We've seen what's been happening on the ground in Ukraine, and the words are becoming even more important in terms of what comes out of the U.S., what Vladimir Putin says out of the Kremlin, and what is said out of Ukraine. And as we look at all of those, I want to break down some of the words and some of the analysis and some of the things that we're projecting out, some of the things that we're walking back, and some of the things that we just need to be mindful of when it comes to this conversation about where things stand in Ukraine and what Russia may or may not do. Uh, Now today, after a a very active weekend, uh, President Zelensky Uh, gave a short statement responding to the missile attack in Kyiv. He was rallying his people uh, as they endured a a pretty heavy onslaught uh, from Russia. They want panic and chaos. They want to destroy our energy system. They are hopeless. The second target is people. Such a time, such goals were specifically chosen to cause as much damage as possible. But we are Ukrainians. We help each other. We believe in ourselves. We restore everything that is destroyed. There may be temporary power outages, but there will never be an interruption in our confidence, our confidence in victory. Never an interruption in our confidence, in our confidence in victory. Of course, that was President Zelensky speaking to the people of Ukraine, uh, encouraging them as this counter strike came from Russia into the capital city of Kyiv. Of course, that was in response to a significant bridge uh, that connects Russia to uh, what they call the annexed portion of Crimea, uh, which was both a physical damage in terms of the Russian war effort, a supply line, but it was also very much a psychological blow 
uh, to Vladimir Putin. Happened on his 70th birthday. Uh, over $4 billion were spent on this bridge system into Crimea. And Vladimir Putin was front and center uh, when that opened up. He took great credit for that, really saw that as the ultimate connecting point between Russia and Crimea and their illegal annexation of that a uh, few years ago. And so there was a lot of psychological battles going on there. And then, of course, the physical battle raged on uh, as Russia launched uh, missiles into Kiev. Again, hitting uh, energy systems was the target, uh, as well as uh, civilians. Uh, now, looking at what the president had to say over the weekend uh, in terms of Armageddon, that really was the word, I think, that was the trigger word for a lot of folks to scramble in Ukraine, in Russia, and in the White House. On ABC This Week, Martha Raddatz, uh, Raddatz asked John Kirby about the president's comments regarding Putin's nuclear threat. Here's his response. The president was reflecting the very high stakes that uh, they're in in play right now, Martha, when you have a uh, modern nuclear power and the leader of that modern nuclear power willing to use irresponsible rhetoric the way that Mr. Putin has uh, several times in just the last week or two, uh, as well as uh, the, the high tensions in Ukraine uh, over just the course of the last few days. So the president, I think, was accurately reflecting uh, the fact that the stakes are very high right now. And so, obviously, uh, the rhetoric, uh, again, uh, talking about Vladimir Putin ratcheting things up with his saber rattling, talking about the use of tactical nuclear weapons, uh, especially after he annexed some of the eastern portion uh, of Ukraine, uh, which many of those places they've already lost back uh, to Ukrainian control. Uh, So that part of the rhetoric is interesting. Uh, Martha Raddatz went on to ask if President Biden's statements were due to new intelligence regarding the conflict. Here's how John Kirby responded. His comments were not based on uh, new or fresh intelligence or new indications uh, that uh, Mr. Putin has made a decision uh, to use nuclear weapons. And quite quite frankly, uh, we don't have any indication that he has made that kind of decision, Martha, nor have we seen anything that would give us pause to reconsider our own strategic nuclear posture uh, in, in our efforts to defend our own national security interests or those of our allies and partners. What the president was reflecting was that the stakes are high right now, given what's going on on the battlefield in Ukraine, and given the very irresponsible and reckless comments made by Vladimir Putin in just the last uh, few days. Now, look, he's also said we're not going to be intimidated. Neither neither we nor our allies are going to be intimidated by this, and we're going to continue to provide support and security assistance to Ukraine as is necessary. Uh, Really important there. Again, a lot of words uh, flying around, and I think one of the important messages clearly coming from the White House is that we will function from a position of strength. When you look at someone like Vladimir Putin, who is used to using words to to bully, to intimidate, uh, to cause his opponents to function from a position of weakness, President Biden's clearly saying, no, we, we won't. We will function from a position of strength. We won't be intimidated. We won't cower. We won't bend in terms of our support for Ukraine. That's really important. Uh, I think the president does have to be careful in terms of Armageddon kind of language. Uh, That takes it to a little different level, and it sort of gets it a little sideways in terms of where the focus really needs to be. And obviously, this is a a real significant. We've been talking about it. These next few weeks are going to be so significant uh, for both Ukraine and for Russia as winter approaches, as things get much more difficult to navigate 
Uh, as many are predicting, it could uh, turn to a real slog and a bit of a stalemate over the winter months because it will be difficult. Uh, so this particular season, these next few weeks are going to be so critical. So the rhetoric matters. The the wording matters. Uh, finally, Martha Raddus asked Mike Mullen, who's the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, an important question. He wanted him to uh, assess what is Putin's capability and how big a threat is that nuclear threat? I'm a little concerned about the language, uh, which uh, we're about at the top, if you President will. Biden's language. President Biden's language. We're about at the top of uh, the language scale, if you will. Uh, so, and I think we need to back off that a little bit and do everything we possibly can to try to get to the table to resolve this thing. So, very important there uh, that uh, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mike Mullen, uh, was saying, "Look, the." The president went to the top of the language scale. We've been talking about that throughout the program today, uh, that language scale. And what does that actually mean? And he's saying the president went all the way to the top of the language scale. Armageddon is at the top of the scale uh, and hoped that the president and the administration would ratchet that back down a little bit uh, because what they really should be focused on is what is the the path to peace? Is there a negotiation process? Is there an off-ramp? Uh, what are the things that can de-escalate and allow Ukraine to continue to be a sovereign country and control their own destiny? Uh, and so the, the war of words is very high right now, and it's amplifying the war that's happening on the ground. And often it's easy for us uh, far away from where uh, missiles are landing and where bullets are flying uh, to uh, to armchair quarterback it a little bit. So we do have to be careful in terms of our language and our approach to all of this uh, to make sure that we aren't adding to the problem, that we're creating clarity, not confusion, because in the fog of war, uh, it's the confusion that usually leads to mistakes, lost lives, and escalated war. And so all of those have to be uh, kept in mind as we look at the language. The language matter, the words have meaning, that meaning matters as well. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Coming up, some final thoughts on a Monday here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stick with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.